be prepared for anything, but in that, you just find a headspace that is unbreakable in any environment. This is where you're meant to be. Like, I know it. I've never. My best self is better than every single person who's gonna walk on that platform at night. Gosh, man, that was, was a moment that changed my life, man. Work harder than everyone else and just keep going. Get up and do it again and again and again. journey to a better you starts right now. Hey, what's up guys? Welcome back to another episode of Better Than Yesterday. I'm your host, Angelo Kelly. On this week's show, I am joined by Sierra Zach, a 59 kilo weightlifter who was coming off an awesome performance at the Arnold Classic where she went six for six. I actually heard her coach do a podcast episode talking about her performance and how she's had some major training breakthroughs. So I figured I'd reach out, have her on the podcast to talk about going through um, some big adversity in the sport of weightlifting and how she's overcome it. So I think you guys are really going to enjoy this conversation with Sierra Zach, and let's send it over there now. So Saturdays, is that like your heavy day? No, so we actually switched it, and Fridays are now my heavy day. Um, so everybody's usual Saturday is my Friday. Okay. Um, we actually ended up splitting up my training. So on Saturdays now, I only back squat because I have little Bambi legs, and the only thing at this point holding me back is my raw strength because my technique is, like, it's getting, like, pretty good. Like, it's where my clean almost matches my front squat. And my front squat is getting dangerously close to my back squat. So the only way to go now is like strength. And so dedicating a whole day to squats has been so helpful. How many days a week do you train? I go five, but now I have five like barbell days. And then I have a lot of like mobility and physical therapy stuff I do with my hips and shoulders now. Um. So probably Sunday is basically a full rest day. And then Thursday is just a lot of mobility and recovery stuff. Nice. So yeah, that's a pretty bit, pretty busy schedule. It is my, my work schedule allows me to dedicate so much time to weightlifting and recovery. So that helps a lot. Yeah. See, I'm at like, I don't know. I, I, it's funny. Cause I always ask people like, oh, what's the optimal amount of training and like kind of, I wish you could just like be told the answer. Like this is optimal. And on the person, I heard Olivia Reeves, she's a young weightlifter and I, I heard that she trains three days a week. Yeah. And athletes progress training two or three days a week. Like it just depends on the person. Yeah, right now I'm training three and I keep wanting to bump it up because I'm like, do I need more? I mean, just touching the barbell more, I think is usually a good thing, depending on what injuries and stuff, what stuff you're working around. But three is like the sweet spot for me. I don't know. I keep waiting for like the progress to stop, but I'm like, maybe just lower volume works better for me. Yeah. How old are you? I am 27. 27. So that's interesting though, too, because um, you're still young yeah <laughs> for weightlifting but are all three of those days for you are they moderate or heavy or is there a really light day in there i would say two of them are 
relatively heavy. One is moderate to heavy. So it's not like I'm getting any days where it's just like straight recovery or straight technique work just because with three, you don't really have time to add in a day where it's just just technique 60 70%. So I don't know. I've I'm also doing jujitsu a couple times a week. And uh, I've had a few wrist injuries that it just feels like every time I've tried to push more, it normally ends up working out not in my favor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I've tried the two a day things. I have like an I swear to God, like a the body of like a fifty or six year old woman. <laughs> like I break so easily. Like the two a day life is not for me. I did experiment with that pre- summer of twenty twenty, just because I had nothing going on. I wasn't working, and I did see a lot of progress when I got to do squats in the morning, squats and pulls, and I just felt really strong in the morning, and then go back in and do snatch clean and jerk and it was no accessory work at night which was really nice and then you can just dedicate snatch clean and jerk and that's it you're out it makes sense but warming up twice sounds like a hard pass (laughs) how long are your warm-ups well now like six months ago i was like walk in air squats grab a barbell and go and then i have this whole mobility like routine now and now it's at least 35 minutes yeah it's tough adds it adds a lot to training like if you really want to get primed yep and yeah i went to because you know like how it, it goes like you increase your squat volume or whatever and then your hips get achy and then it's like a sharp pain and then you're slower and so i just went to a pt and i was like well like if if I really want to like see if I can be the best that I can be, then I have to take care of myself. And so taking the time to do all the mobility stuff and like giving my body the best opportunity to do better. So now I'm taking things a little bit more seriously and I'm warming up properly. So it's a good change of pace. Did you was that a conversation you had with your coach? Like, Hey, I want to take things more seriously or, you know, was there a certain performance where you're like, I really want to do this. I want to dedicate more time to it. Like what's that kind of progression been like? No, it's just like my whole entire, like any sport I've ever done, like starting in like late high school, every single year, like knock on wood, something happens something small where it like comes out of the blue seemingly or big or it's a torn labrum it happens and then it knocks me out for four to eight weeks and I got sick of that cycle and I don't want to be sitting out a month or two out of the year because of some stupid injury every single year like we don't have time for that um And like, I fixed my nutrition, I'm fixing my form, my technique. I'm like, well, I guess if I want to fire on all cylinders, then I need to get everything in check. Um, So yeah, I looked at like primal mobility, like all the cool cats are doing that kind of stuff too, but uh, it definitely helped. Yeah, I think... um... I mean, it doesn't have to be like Ramwad. It doesn't have to be like anything specific. But anytime you're increasing mobility, like just stretching throughout the day, even if it's one or two things that you're doing, hey, two minutes here, five minutes here, 
doesn't have to be like a long session. I think some people, especially like you hear, oh, you warm up for 35 minutes. Some people are like, oh, I'm never going to do that. But it doesn't have to be a 35 minute warm up. It could be three 10 minute sessions throughout the day where, hey, you're working and you just take five, 10 minutes and you do a couple stretches. Mm hmm. Yeah, I've definitely been doing that too with like uh, like more of a desk job during the day with like photography. I'm literally sitting at my laptop editing pictures all day and then I'm like, oh, it's two o'clock and I have not moved from my chair for hours. So just getting on the floor and doing some more stuff. Yeah, I mean, I have found that like having a name brand thing like Ramwad usually pushes you to do it more. If you like, if you have the app, if you have a structure. I would totally agree until I met the PT that I did. I just didn't have luck like finding like PTs that like, I don't just need to do the pigeon stretch and the couch stretch every day for an hour. I'm being dramatic, but like, that's what they all say. Like you need to do more pigeon stretch. No, it's not a pigeon stretch. You need to like actively be moving like mobility through certain motions but for weightlifting specifically. And then I found a PT that took me through these exercises and now I love mobility. Hmm. So how do you learn to love it just because you found the right PT? Yeah, because she, she connects Zena, good reps in New York. Um, she connects all of our PT movements to parts of the lifts. If that makes sense. Like she's like, this is working on this because it helps fire this, which translate to your clean, which will make it faster. And like, it's a whole domino thing. And I'm like, Oh, well, why haven't I been doing this all along? Yeah. Fine. I mean, finding something, a PT who knows weightlifting, I think is crucial. If you go to somebody who doesn't really know what a snatch or clean and jerk is, they're not going to be able to prescribe the right stuff to you so many doctors that like tell my clients like you should never be putting weight over your head or like a PT that like generally works on like the elderly population um and they're just like rehabbing like little surgeries here and there and they're like oh you can do a quarter squat good job and like I have a surgery and I can do a pistol squat already and they're like you're good I'm like no I need more there's plenty of things to work on yeah, I once had a chiropractor who said I should never deadlift more than double body weight. And I was like, well, I'm clean and jerking that, so I'm going to have to deadlift it. Fired. <laughs> yeah, exactly. On to the next one. Yep. Well, how'd you get into the sport of weightlifting? Um, So like 99% of weightlifters nowadays, CrossFit, well, like, first off, I did, like, college track, and I found myself literally having way more fun in the weight room than track practice. I was, like, killing the cleans. I was, like, yeah, clean day. Um, ah, track practice. And then I was, like, well, CrossFit has more weights, so let me do CrossFit. Um, and then I hated running. I just hated cardio. And then I popped into a local weightlifting competition and I just like saw all these weightlifters and I was like, this is fun. I would rather do this. And then I met my fiance who was like, do you need a coach? And I was like, yeah, sure. Let's do this. I'm a weightlifter now. 
and then no more running. So no dramatic, uh, you know, people trying to convince you to do weightlifting. It's just like, hey, you should do this. And you're like, all right. Yeah, like it really was. Like I was at the same time, I was like, I'm going to do RX CrossFit competitions. And so I was like just dabbling in both. And then I was like, all right, pull my leg. I won't do CrossFit anymore. <laughs> what events did you run in track? I was a sprinter. So I ran the 100 hurdles and I dabbled in pole vault and did long jump mostly. Okay. Do you feel like that's helped out weightlifting a lot? I'm sure those movements, the long jump and pole vault. 100%. I think like gymnasts and track athletes, like we would have so many amazing weightlifters if more of those athletes did weightlifting, but like the fast switch muscle fibers, 100% helped. Yeah. Cause I had, um, coach Mary on the podcast back in the day and she was a thrower. So maybe I feel like you don't see a lot of sprinters though. in weightlifting, you normally see the throwers. Cause I think they're probably the ones who are in the weight room the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, I can't think of any other like higher end weightlifters that were track per se, like sprinters, but I think they would be great at it. I guess we're more explosive. So then you have to get your legs stronger, which was initially my problem is I could get under it, but I couldn't stand it up. Did you, um, in college, did you have a structured program, like a good strength coach in college? No, no, I wouldn't say we didn't have a good like strength. We didn't even have a strength and conditioning coach. I don't believe when I was in college. So it was just our, um, GA track coach that was structuring our weightlifting program. Um, I, I guess it wasn't like the best, but we did do cleans a lot. We squatted a lot. Um, the only thing was like, there was a point where we had snatches programs and I've never heard of a snatch. I've never done a snatch. And I was like, what is this? And he was like, just get it over your head. And I was like, what? And he's like, it was like 65 pounds. And I couldn't, I like, didn't understand. Nobody showed me, nobody taught me. And I was just mind blown, but no, we, I have no background in like snatches or jerks and until CrossFit. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, imagine if uh, USA Weightlifting started getting into college in weight rooms. Totally. You know, but like strength coaches are so territorial with their space. And I feel like they're all like, I know everything. I don't want anybody coming in here thinking they're smarter than me. And so it's, I think it's really hard to get into the college and even high school sector with weightlifting unless the strength and conditioning coach or one of the coaches has a weightlifting background. Yeah. I think it's just the time, like the time it takes to develop athletes too in weightlifting. Like you can, you can perform the movements where you're not going to get hurt pretty quickly, but actually being technically proficient takes a really long time. It does. Yeah. And you just want what's a quick dose I guess, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, and it's all all the injuries. I don't know. I I would definitely would have loved to go back when I was in college and known the lifts and like actually what it was like to translate over to baseball, but I obviously didn't get that experience. 
the late the lifts would have been so much more effective if we knew what we were doing and that goes like i coach youth weightlifting and i have right now as young as six years old but most of my kids are like 10 to 12 and i'm like you guys have no idea how lucky how fortunate you guys are to be learning all of the principles of these lifts before you even get to junior high you get to high school in the weight room where none of these kids have done cleans or snatches before and you already know everything they're going to be so far ahead of the curve yeah and you're learning them when you already have the mobility and you have all the things like uh, some people are afraid just to get under the bar too. And I feel like 10 and 12 year old kids probably ha never had that fear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, I'm so jealous of them. Do you feel like that's made you a better weightlifter working with youth? Um, I wouldn't say it's made me a better weightlifter. I would say, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't compare that at all. Okay maybe some patience though yeah i'd say patience but honestly i think youth are easier to work with than adults because they don't have well they have less of an ego you know what i'm saying so they're more willing to slow down and hear what you're saying and like try new things mm. get 15 16 plus like years old like especially like an 18 year old like their minds aren't as flexible and that's why i love working with youth athletes because their minds are flexible and you can give them not just like like athletic performance improvements, but like mental components too, like this confidence in themselves um, to like believe in themselves. And like, they're like, oh, big greens. And I'm like, dude, you can do it. And then they do it. And then something flips in their head and then they're confident, you know, like they walk differently even. Yeah, I love that. That must be really cool. It's the best. I love my 10 and 12 year olds. Yeah. To watch people do watch people. I mean, even adults, like watching them do something that they didn't think they could do. I'm thinking of mm -hmm. one guy specifically who trains at our gym, who sometimes you can tell like he's afraid of certain weights and then he'll do it. And you can, it's just cool to see him not think he can do it. And then he does it. And you're like, see, you could you're do like, it I all. Told you. Yeah. I, you are capable yeah we believe in you yeah and like favorite thing in the world is going back like i take videos of everybody and like i they hit so we have a master's weightlifter um in our gym and she had a mind block with the yellows so 45 kilos like a year ago and she just like wouldn't get under it and i knew she could do it um, and then one day she got it and like her face lit up and I was like, I told you. And then now she can snatch like 55, 60. Like she was so scared of the yellows and now she's like blown past that. And she's like beyond confident in her abilities. Yeah. I mean, that's what it's about. Like 99% of people are not going to, even if you look at the Arnold, 99% of the people weren't in the A session most of those people they're not full-time weightlifters they're not doing it because they're going to go to the olympics or a international competition just because it's fun for them mm -hmm. yeah and that gosh our even our group of ladies that we took to the arnold like they didn't even do sports growing up like didn't even do sports so they were never an athlete and then they walk into the arnold with their badge that says 
athletes and they're all moms and they're like, I'm an athlete. And I'm like, yes, you are. And so it's just fun, you know, to give them that. Like being an athlete is fun. Yeah, 100%. Well, I heard uh, Blanco's podcast episode that he did about you. And I was like, well, let's just hear it from you. So you've made a crazy progression, I would say, probably what in the last six months or so. It really has been since December, I'd say. Yeah, so you kind of had, I mean, you had an excellent performance. We talked a little bit about it off air the other day. Six for six at the Arnold, which can't be overlooked. That's an amazing performance, regardless of what numbers you hit. If you go six for six at a national meet, it's awesome. But I kind of just love to break down the preparation, what it was like, um, you know, mindset, everything like that. Let's just get into it. Yeah, I mean, if we go back to, like, AO finals in Denver, um, I didn't even know if I was going to be able to compete at that meet because, what do you know, like, one of my little injuries stopped me from, like, mid-September up until, like, mid-November at anything. I, like, went to the ortho, got an MRI, and then, like, four weeks before, I was like, okay, I'm, like, I'm good. So I'm, I'm competing. Um and I was fine. Like I was plenty strong, but in that time frame, I just, sometimes you just have those times where you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what the snatch is. I'm just getting it over my head. And AO finals was like coming around. And for the first time the week of, I could, I was like, what if you bomb out? And I was like, no, 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 you can't think like that. Like that's not allowed. But then it kept pop. I was like, well, what if you do? And that's literally never happened to me. And then I was literally fine in the back room. I was feeling great. I literally powered all of my snatches up to 70, smoked my opener in the back. I was good. I was confident. And I was like, your body knows how to snatch. Just go out there and do it. Shut everything off. Boom. First thing I did wrong. There is no autopilot for snatches. You cannot not use your brain. And I go out there and I completely miss my first attempt. Come off the platform and coach is like, all right, it's fine. Let's just make the change. Miss my second one. And then he like looks at me, he's like, what's happening? I was like, I don't know. I literally don't know what's happening. Like my brain was in outer space. I didn't know what my body was doing. And I didn't end up doing so bad on clean jerks, but like after that meet, uh, Blanco does this awesome thing where like immediately after your session or first, first thing, like we're both available, we go talk about what we did good, what went wrong, um, what can we do moving forward? And he has never really showed like disappointment <laughs> in me, but he was like mad disappointed as much as I was in myself. Um, but we literally the next morning, so my, I had a late session and the next morning in the training hall, he had me like, we had a two a day the day after and we were like, we're going to fix the snatch. Like, if you don't know what's happening in this portion of the snatch, we're going to fix that. 
And so he then made me build up 276 in which I missed three times. And I like did it for like a pause snatch. I did 76 the next day for a pause snatch in the training hall. Like it was just BS. And so we just like dedicated ourselves to like, I'm going to make, can I, can I swear on this podcast? Okay. I was like, I'm going to make snatch my bitch. Um, and so I was snatching four days a week and like dedicated to learning all of the pieces, but I was going to hit 76 over and over and over. Like it wasn't even going to be a thing. And then January rolls around like the next four week cycle. And I was like, Hey B like, I'm really, really bad at a mid thigh pause snatch because I cut my pull short and I never get it fully to my hip. So I might as well stop right below my hip and then make sure I get to my hip um, on my snatches. So we started doing that, but I'm really fast. So I dive under that thing so fast. And so he's like, all right, let's do a power with a mid thigh pause. So then I have to learn how to generate force. But I mean, like long story short, like it was just like a give and take of like finding the movements that really translate to the full lift um, and drilling it over and over again, four days a week. Um, But like it didn't happen like right away. I think it just clicked one day where, oh wait, no, we go back. So I did a meet in between that cycle and we have the rep one, the velocity trainer. Have you heard of that? I've heard of it and never used it though. He is using that thing so well. Like Blanco is like the dark horse, like underrated coach of USAW right now. But like he's been learning from like Fleming and MASH and all of them. So for that uh, small meet in New York, he hooked the rep one up to my snatches in the back room. And he just wanted to like see what my general speed was. And then the next week after that meet, we did the same thing for power snatches up to a heavy power snatch. And then he reviewed it and he's like, these numbers are night and day difference. Your full snatches on competition day were averaging 1.6. Then the next week you did up to a heavy power and your average was 2 to 2.1. So that speed is drastically different. And that means you are holding back on your snatches, your full snatches on competition day. This is how fast you can move. This is how fast you were moving. Stop holding back. And then literally that day we talked, like I put it together. I was like, stop holding back. Stay tight, hold your position and move hard. And then my snatch max went from 81 to 88 one day and like i didn't get stronger i just learned the lift that yeah i mean that's crazy like one thing as weightlifters we all like want to hear that one thing that clicks sometimes it might you might have heard that before and never correlated that into your snatches but like hearing it at that time See, do you think like actually seeing the data, having something where it was like that definitely made a difference? Yes. Like seeing, like 
I was so obviously holding back on my snatch pull and then to see what I'm capable of. And then he pulled, he put, like, put all the data together and he's like, you're capable of an 88 kilo snatch if you pull like you pull your powers. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Anyway, and like then a few weeks later, I hit 88. And like his mind was blown and I was like, holy shit. Like I just had like a like seven kilo snatch PRs and like in weightlifting, like snatch PRs don't just get handed out like candy. It's like a kilo in like two years is like pretty dope. So like I just like to me I did the unthinkable of like a seven kilo PR. And I like the turning of the table was like learning how to put force, not speed, into the lift. Can you describe like what that means to you? Um because I I when you said that, I was like, that sounds good, but I don't understand it. Okay, so I learned this in track two. Like you have a high school track athlete and they're a sprinter. Like you're running like a 50 yard dash or whatever. And they think because their legs and their feet are moving so fast that they're moving fast, but they're not applying force into the ground. So they aren't as fast as they could be, even though their legs are literally moving as fast as they can. Does that make Mm, sense? Yeah. So I've, like in sprinting, when I first learned, like didn't know how to sprint, I was just moving my legs fast and I wasn't being forceful. You take that into weightlifting and just because you're moving fast and you're fast under the bar doesn't mean you applied any force into the drive and turnover of the lift. Yeah, so, I mean, you can pull it as hard as you can, but to actually, you're pulling and pushing at the same time. Yeah. So you can't just, I mean, you see people who just yank the bar off the ground and usually that doesn't end well either. And, so. dive. and they dive because they are fast. They just dive beneath it and then they make it sometimes. But to a point, like your, your one rep max is not going to go up because you're only so fast. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Some points, there has to be a little bit extra force in that lift. Find how to do that. Yeah, that's interesting, especially like how, I don't know, like, do you think everybody needs the velocity-based training? So Blanca, you hit on everybody for squats. And I think for squats, like, I don't use it on all of my lifts, like snatches, cleans, and stuff like that, only sometimes. But squats, yes. I think everybody should use it because, like, so the average speed to which you can go up to your as slow as for the day without feeling wrecked the next days is technically like 0.4. And so instead of working on percentages, because you have good days and you have bad days, you know, if on a bad day, you're supposed to squat 90%, but you're moving like a damn turtle and it's a total grind and you like stall out halfway up, you're going to feel so bad the next day. How about instead of doing percentages, you're working off of speeds and how you feel on that day? You know, all do squats on the rep one. Interesting. And I mean, I don't think you need to have like the velocity based thing, but everybody knows like some days 80% feels like 100 or some days 100 feels like 70%. So 
I mean, just correlate that, like changing up your program, but having something to quantify. I think it's like, it's like anything. Like people love having the Fitbit to say like, oh, I did 10,000 steps today. But I mean, you know, if you got enough movement in, but it's nice to have like the thing on your wrist that's like, oh, you did. You're like, but did I, did I get enough in? Like it's there, you know, like if you work up to like a heavy set of five, you're like, well, when do I really stop? Like, was that really my heavy set of five for the day? Like, there's no more guessing. You get to shut off your brain, look at the phone and see how fast you moved. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So you have this, you know, miracle seven kilo PR. How far out from competition was this? Uh, I think a lot of the good stuff happened literally like three weeks before the Arnold's. Actually, I'm pretty sure that PR happened two weeks before the Arnold. So you're probably going into the meet, like feeling really good, confident. Oh yeah. I was like, I was mad confident, like mostly because like also then the week before, like I hit that same number again. Like it wasn't just a fluke because you do it one time, one time. And you're like, but can I, was that just a really good day? You hit it twice and you're like, okay, yes, like this is it. But then you have that whole like, okay, so you're snatched. So I bummed out at 76 months before, weeks before, 76. My new one rep max is 88. Where do I open? Am I opening above 76 in which I missed three times? Or am I working off this new one rep max? Like it was like a weird decision, you know? Do you guys talk about that before? Like, do you have your warm ups and your what attempt one, two, and three is going to look like? Do you have that written out beforehand? Yeah, but we were both like, so what? What are we going to do? Like, do we want just success or do we want to push it? But like, I had the confidence in my snatch. I was like, yeah, let's go. Like, I would love to open at 80. I'm going to crush 78 in the back and then let's go from there. Um, and then he, he trusted me and I did it. And so you went, what did you hit? 86 on the platform? Yeah, I went 80, 83, 86. And like, my best was like 88, like the few weeks before. But like, at this point, if I make 80, it was already a win. Um, so yeah, we just stuck to the three kilo jumps and didn't go too crazy with it. Like, wasn't going to hit like a, like platform all-time PR or anything like that like all three of those lifts were already wins yeah it's funny how people who just get into the sport think like you're gonna PR on meet day and some people do but it's very rare that you're gonna go out there and hit even a hundred percent is tough to hit especially on snatch yeah something that's so technical it's like it's a strength movement but it's a brain movement and it's a technical movement. Yeah. There's so many factors. Like, did you cut? Is your mental space good? Do you feel good today? Like all of that kind of stuff. So sometimes it just depends on the day. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about all that stuff like meat day. I mean, I think people can learn from how other people prepare for a meet. So I mean, we talked, I talked about with KC a lot about the stress of a meat, cutting weight, 
um, your warm ups going right? Like, how do you prepare? What's what's weigh ins look like? What's an hour before? Like, how are you getting ready for the meet? Um, I so I actually get a lot of anxiousness. Um, I just want to like move, 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 and like my breathing gets like really shallow, and like I don't want to sit. Um, like I'm getting anxious talking about it and that even happens like when I like talk about things I'm passionate about, it's like really anxious. Um, and so practicing breathing techniques was a big thing going into this meet and actually the meet that I practiced in New York, I was like, you will not snatch anything on the platform until you steady your breathing. Because if you go to lift up your first snatch and you're like, <laughs> and like you're like <clears throat> psyching yourself out, like your chances of missing are so much bigger. And so like taking that full minute and like big deep breaths and just like finding your zone into that space. Um, so just like that whole try to get 10 seconds breathing in and then long breath out, just like setting my heart rate. Um, but I try to keep it as similar to like a heavy training day as possible. Like I have my white monster, or my C4 or something like that, a sandwich, like after weigh in all that fun stuff. And then keeping it like lighthearted until it needs to be serious. Cause it's not that serious most of the time. Um, but yeah, so crush sandwiches, crush maybe a cookie because that makes my heart happy. And then practice my breathing before we start rolling and then just trust myself and listen to my coach, What whatever he needs to put on the bar. Are you a music person? No. Like, I just think that if you were earbuds, like, in the back room and then you rip them out to go on the platform, like, that would have to be such, like, a a shock to the system, you know, like I have to be present in everything that's happening. Yeah. I'm that way too. Like I've tried, I've tried both and it it's, I mean, it's experience. Like you have to do meets and you have to do it one way where you're like, Oh shit, that didn't work. Like I can't be listening to this type of music and you know, you have to, I mean, that's why the local meets are so valuable like you can go there and really try and it doesn't matter. Like I, I went to one meet where I was just like, all right, I'm not going to listen to music. Cause I used to be that person who's like, I need to listen to rap music. Cause I'm, li I'm lifting heavy. Like this is, you know, this is a big lift. I, I want to be ready for this. And then one meet I went and I was like, all right, I'm not going to listen to music, not going to do anything in between lifts, just going to listen to my coach. And then whenever my name gets called, I'll go out, out on the platform and it turned out like, like you said, being present, I was totally present when it's like, all right, this is my time to lift. Like I'm ready. And it, you don't have all these external, even, you know, like your coach is trying to say something to you and you can't hear them. So you got to take out your headphones and it's just, I don't know, but for some people it, it works and they don't listen to their coach at all besides when they take out their headphones. So it's like finding what works for you. Yeah, no, definitely cannot do that. But I feel like it's a danger zone when you feel like you need anything. Mm. Not having one thing or like 
as dramatic as I need to listen to this song or I need this monster or else everything else is ruined. And I feel, I just feel like you're like setting yourself up um, for disappointment or um, I don't know, anger, just different feelings when you rely on any specific thing or order you know what i'm saying do you practice like breath work outside of weightlifting at all too now i do like more recently and i just feel like it like takes down the stress like not that i have like a lot of stress in my life but like when i do or when i'm feeling really anxious um i heard on actual like a podcast that you should be able to take a deep breath in, hold it, and then take another deep breath in, and then exhale. And then one time, like last week, I was like pretty anxious over something, and I like took breath in, and then I couldn't take another breath in because like my breathing was already so shallow. And I was like, okay, so we have some work to do. But yeah, like you know, you think that kind of stuff's like for the birds, like oh, I don't need to do that, like nothing's going to save my stress, but it literally is the simplest thing. Yeah. that I, I mean, and like you can go deep on the apps, you can do like meditation. You can, I mean, there's so many different things you can find YouTube videos, but like sometimes it is as simple as just breathing, like just taking a couple deep breaths. I used to, I used to think anxiety, like I didn't know that that was real. I didn't know that people got that until I experienced it. I was like, oh, what the fuck is this? Like, am I having a heart attack? <laughs> but heart eating so hard. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild, man. But it like yeah, if you can if you can center yourself and be present, like even I mean, competing for a lot of people, that's gonna be the most stressful thing that you do when it comes to weightlifting not like outside in life there's a lot of other stresses but like when you're competing there's so much stress just on competing so if you have different practices where you realize that you can pull yourself back at any time if you miss your first attempt if you miss your second attempt you can be like all right i can still breathe here i'm fine yeah having full control over yourself for sure. But like breathing, I found like also like without like it being like a mind thing translates into your lifts. Like you have to know how to brace. How Do you know, like if you're breathing, if you're taking that deep breath in, are you breathing through your chest? That's not going to help you. You have to brace into your belt. Are you taking a low breath after a clean? Like everybody's like, oh my God, you're so good at jerks. But okay, I love jerks, but like I feel like the success to making the jerk is being able to calm yourself down after that heavy clean. Like you're psyching yourself up. You're like, you see people like stand up a clean and they're like, <laughs> and they're like face and like looks panicked. Um, and actually like, have you heard of Bo Brown? Um, weightlifter. Yeah. Yes. So he, he's one of our friends, but I love watching him lift because after he cleans something and like nothing really ever looks that heavy when he cleans it, but sometimes it does. And when he stands it up, like sometimes his face is a little red, but then you see like this relief and this calmness wash over him. And like he collects himself, braces and jerks and makes it like the power of being able to control your breath 
before you attack something. Yeah. I Yeah, you see that all the time, people rushing the jerk. And yeah, you think for some reason that breathing more is going to help you, but it's not. No. So how'd clean and jerks go at the Arnold? Obviously, you went six for six. So, so you and even talk about that, like having such a great snatch day, like everything went right. How do you recenter on clean and jerks? Because, hey, you got six lifts. Like you're not you're not done after that. Yeah, like I didn't I don't like amp myself up for snatches by any means. And like I'm not one to like overly celebrate and get excited anyway. So I'm just like, yeah, good job. Um anyways, on to the next one. I feel like it's harder to regroup after a bad snatch session for clean and jerks. But like it really wasn't like you just eat your gummies, relax a little bit, and then it's go time. Like now there's really no thinking. Like you just have to like fire on all cylinders. Um, but I think I opened that 98, which we've tried different openers. Like I, I've learned that there's no use in getting buried in your opener. Um, I'd rather just hit something like good and successful before going up. So I think I went like 98-102-105 and I hit 105 in that little competition in New York like a month before that and then my previous best competition was 102 but Blanco like programmed a bunch of waves the months going into this with like these ridiculous jumps snatch and clean and jerk like nobody makes seven kilo jumps I mean little like short smaller people do not make seven kilo jumps in the snatch or in a clean and jerk and he had me making five to seven kilo jumps on both and I made them and I was like okay so I know if I need to do this I can um so that also helped a lot in my confidence as well like knowing that if we needed to make a bigger jump for whatever reason that I am capable of it yeah, that I mean that's huge too. Like uh I mean our team specifically at the Arnold a lot of people had 10 minute breaks in between some first and second attempts, uh 8 minutes, you know. That's something that not a lot of people prepare for in the gym. Yeah, it's I just love the idea of mental preparation and just physical preparation. Like you have to be in Blanca's and I say this all the time. You have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. You have to be ready to follow yourself. You have to be ready to sit for 10 minutes. Like you can't practice the same thing all the time. Like if you sit 10 minutes between all of your lifts all the time, it's only going to help you in that situation. Mm -hmm. So some days I'll go in and I'll practice like, two, three minutes between every single lift, even on the heavy days. And then some days I'll sit for like eight minutes between heavy lifts. Like, I think I saw Jess Lucero one time post like in her gym, her platforms are all crooked to like the walls of the room because before she had this major anxiety that she had to be like parallel, like with the walls like practicing lifting in different environments with lots of people, with no people, with lots of me or with loud music, with no music, like just be prepared for anything. But in that 
you just find a headspace that is unbreakable in any environment. So how did you develop that? Like, is, is that something that came through Blanco or is that something that you've learned through track or you read it in a book, listened to a podcast? Like, where does that come from? Um, it's just, I, I'm in my head a lot, I think. Spend a lot of time alone, but I got, I did get better at it. Like after AO finals was I really focused on that? Cause I was really used to training either by myself or like with one other person in one specific room. So I purposefully put myself in different gyms, um, with different like eye points, like vision points and some days without music, I just started practicing in different situations. Um, because not every situation is going to be the same. Yeah. I mean, you see as one thing like you notice when you go to specifically a session, but I feel like, I guess the lower level people don't know this, but like if you watch an a session, every person after announcements, they look at their focal point, mm -hmm. whether that's somewhere in the stands or it just depends on what arena you're competing in. But, but just kind of knowing like where you're going to look. That's something that people don't prepare for. They just get out on the platform and it's like, oh, you're looking at three judges and they're staring at you. And then there's people in the crowd and there's different things. Like at the Arnold venue, there was a bird in there a couple of days. Yeah. Uh, on Twitter, somebody was like, they made like a meme about the AO or the Arnold pigeon. <laughs> yeah. See, it's, it's funny. Like I ask all these questions because I want to know the answers and I feel like there's probably not answers to most of them. Like for you, maybe you never heard of mental toughness or you never read a book that's developed entirely to mental toughness, but you figured out that, Hey, this is what I need to do. I need to get outside of my comfort zone. I need to train in different environments. Like that might not be something that's scientific, it just works for you. Yeah. Like I even found myself, like I've tried to read those mental toughness, like books, but they actually made my training worse because I, I was thinking about being mentally tough and, you know, it was just too much. So it was finding my own headspace creatively, I guess, for myself. Do you, do you feel like this is the first time that you've been able to do that in the sport of weightlifting? Yes, because I was young and naive in the beginning. <laughs> and like my first meet that I went six or six, I was just like, yeah, every meet's going to be like this. And I was just happy to be there eating gallon bags of Swedish fish, just like so naive to like what was going on. And then the more time you spend in it, like probably the more anxiety you can build around meets. So finding that happy medium over experience with meets over time yeah like i i mean i've noticed as just as a weightlifter i've been doing it since 2018 i think you're in the same boat right 2018 yeah so four years in and i feel like i'm just starting to figure stuff out yeah it's like i'm just finally figuring out what a snatch should feel like it takes time but like you can't you can't even rush like you can have somebody that's a year into weightlifting, like 
some days they're on, some days they're off, some days they know what they're doing, some days they don't. But like, just as time goes on, those days get fewer and fewer where you don't actually know what you're doing. And I, I can't say that if I would have had these drills that like we implemented in training a year ago, I can't say I would have gotten it. I can't say I would have understood it. It just took the time. You need, you need that time. Like you need year one and three where you think you have it figured out, but you actually don't to get to year four where it's like, oh, wait, we don't have anything figured out and we need to go back to the drawing board and we're going to attack this really hard. Mm -hmm. So that's something like if anyone out there is listening and you've only been doing it for a year or two and things are starting to get hard, this is like that's the time where it's the most important to keep going. Mm -hmm. Yeah wish I would have focused on technique and form more like early on instead of banging it so hard off my hips and looping it around because then it takes more time to go back and relearn everything so get yourself a good coach I was learning off of YouTube in the early days and that was not the move (laughs) I mean it is a good resource though I will say that I was probably just looking at the wrong resources yeah I mean weightlifting specifically But like, if you, I mean, I always say that, like we have access to everything now. Like if you want to learn anything, you can do it. There's a lot more great resources now. Like I know like Catalyst has been posting for like a long time. I never discovered them until like when I started weightlifting, like legitimately, but like MASH has so much good content too. There's a lot of content now. It's funny though, like Catalyst, if you don't know what to search for, I don't think you'll find it. But the more experience that you get in weightlifting, you type in a specific thing and he has a video that's literally like how to keep the bar closer in the clean. And like that wouldn't be something that you would know if you were a beginner. It's like, when do you release your hook grip in the clean? Like that specific. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you, you don't really know. You can't find it unless you know what you're looking for. Yep. And there's always something, there's always something to learn. Like I know that I'm still doing something wrong that I don't even know I'm doing wrong yet, but Blanco will like wait for like the time to like spring it on me. And I'm like, I've been doing this the whole time, but you can't like fix everything all the time. Like one thing at a time. Yeah, for sure. So what do you have coming up Is nationals? The next thing that you're going to compete at? Yep, we just started a 12-week cycle, um, two nationals. So that's the next big thing. And then, yeah, I think we'll probably do, which I'll be a 59 at nationals because I was a light 64 at the Arnold because no use in cutting all the time. Um, And then AO finals again. Yeah, it's it's a cool schedule. Like, uh... I mean, the Arnold's, like, so accessible to everybody. Not everybody, but mm-hmm. pretty much, like, if, you, if you're into weightlifting, that's, like, a good goal, like, a good low-level goal to qualify for, and then you can keep moving up, like, move up to AO Finals, move up to Nationals. Yeah, the Arnold is just, like, a really fun meet to go with the whole team to, like, a camaraderie thing, you mm-hmm. know? Because the first nationals I went to, I literally went by myself with my <laughs> coach slash fiance, but it was so lonely. 
Yeah, and you don't, and you like don't know anybody too, like in the weightlifting community. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have all a bunch of like, like a whole gang now that I'll know at nationals, but like it gets lonely if you don't have a whole team behind you. Yeah, for sure. And like, you, yeah, you need that. You need the person. You need the PT. You need the nutrition coach. You need the weightlifting coach. You need like there's so you need the people to load at competitions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know like life, but again, like I've just been I've been given a very great life. I'm not. I haven't been given it. I've worked towards. I've structured the life that I want to be successful in life and weightlifting because I'm still young and a little bit selfish and I want to see what I can do in weightlifting. So, so how have you done that? Um, so photography is my main job full time for the first time this year. Um, I mean, that that's so flexible. Like I can pick the days that I want to do shoots on. I pick the days that I want to edit. I can edit from anywhere. And technically I can shoot anywhere as long as I have a clientele. Um, so photography and then also part-time personal training slash weightlifting coach. So what got you into photography? Is that something that you've always, have you always had a camera on you? Yeah. I, I started like a long time ago, like in high school, um, if anybody knows the old editing website picnic, the classic black and white picture with a pop of color started that bad. And then people were like, I'll pay you to take my pictures. And I was like, dope, I'm in. And then it just like trickled off of that and I actually quit for a few years because I was like, did I only do this because people said I should do this or do I actually want to do this? And then I loved it. And it's like, I want to give people confidence in themselves that they don't see yet. And so I feel like I can do that with photography and with weightlifting, like with a resource that I didn't have when I was younger or, you know, like I want more people to find that sooner. Like if you have a killer picture of yourself, like everybody needs one of those, like a picture where they're like, dang, I look good. Um, or like confidence in their lifts and just their potential. I just want to be able to give that to people. Yeah. I love that. And, and we talked about that in the beginning, like watching the youth succeed, but Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Like, I mean, we, a lot of us get caught up in social media, but like, it's so true. If you have something that you're confident in, it doesn't matter how many likes you get. You like if you feel good in a picture, you're like, I feel good. It doesn't matter like who likes this or it doesn't matter um how many comments it gets. It's just like, no, I like this. Mm-hmm. This is me and I look damn good in this picture. And social media is a whole nother topic. Like I I wish social media didn't even exist. Like I I love, but I also hate posting on social media because I'm like, who gives a shit about my 65 kilo snatch from last week? Sometimes I just question, like, why do I even bother? 
But then I get messages from people that are like, I've seen how far you've come. I just want to let you know that I got my first pull up ever in my whole life. And nobody in my life understands that. But I just thought I'd reach out to you because you go to the gym a lot like that stuff. I'm like, yes, this is why I'm posting because I want to inspire people to like, like I want to show them consistency and I want to inspire them to go to the gym and like work on themselves and prioritize themselves. Yeah. And like, I, I didn't just start snatching 80 kilos. Like I sucked <laughs> really bad too. It just took a lot of consistency and work. So I'm going to tell our listeners, send a message to somebody who inspires you on social media, let them know. Cause that feels really good. Like, you know, when you get that message that somebody says they're watching you, even if you're posting and it's like, Oh no, no one's paying attention. No one cares about this. But I want all of our listeners to send a message like that today. Yeah, let let the people that impact you know that they impact you because, I mean, that's what keeps them moving forward and like sharing their content and their thoughts. 100%. Well, where can people go if they want to send you that message on social media? If you want to follow my snatches that I post every single day, <laughs> Follow Sierra.loves.cake on Instagram. And I love cake. <laughs> well, Sierra, this was really fun. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you again so much for tuning into another episode of Better Than Yesterday. If you guys want to support the podcast, just make sure to share it out on your Instagram story. Let people know that you liked it. That is the best way that you can support right now. So thanks again for tuning in. I look forward to talking to you all next week.